You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jesus calls into a darkened tomb of death and brings out a man alive. The raising of Lazarus from the dead may not have been the Lord's last miracle before the cross, but it certainly was his greatest. And it was this miracle that aroused the attention finally of the Pharisees where the plot to finally kill him and do away with him was hatched. It was because of this miracle. Imagine performing a spectacle so great that you were convinced it would validate who you claim to be, only to result in the exact opposite. While Jesus certainly knew all that was going on, you kind of get the picture. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the resurrection of Lazarus and how it angered the Pharisees all the more. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 11 as he begins his message, Lazarus Come Forth. We're going to continue on in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. This chapter is so exciting and so important and so powerful that I couldn't get away from it. So would you please turn into your Bibles to John, chapter 11. We're specifically looking at verses 38 through 44. John 11, beginning in verse 38. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said of him to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him. Him go. So throughout all of Jesus' ministry, and recorded in all four Gospels, we read that Jesus performed many, many miracles. We know that he healed the sick. We know that he gave sight to the blind. We know that he caused the lame to walk. And we know that he cast out many demons. But we also read that Jesus calmed the raging sea. He spoke to the wind, and it ceased. He cursed the fig tree, and it withered and died. And he turned the water into wine. We know these things because they're recorded in the Gospels. But among his miracles, Jesus also ministered to people. He ministered to the brokenhearted. He sat down with the sinners and the tax collectors and had supper. He showed the love to those who were deemed unlovable. 
He ministered to those who were caught in sin, like the woman caught in adultery. And he ministered to those who were caught cheating others and making sleight of hand, like Zacchaeus. But of all the miracles that Jesus performed, of all his ministry, nothing Jesus did was as controversial as the one we read about today. In today's verses, Jesus performs his most powerful and meaningful ministry miracle of all. Today, Jesus calls into a darkened tomb of death and brings out a man alive. The raising of Lazarus from the dead may not have been the Lord's last miracle before the cross, but it certainly was his greatest. And it was this miracle that aroused the attention finally of the Pharisees where the plot to finally kill him and do away with him was hatched. It was because of this miracle. And all Jesus had raised others from the dead. You can read that throughout the scriptures. Lazarus had been in the grave four days. This was a miracle that could not be denied. It couldn't be cast off. It couldn't be rationalized. It couldn't be avoided by the Jewish leaders. They had to face it head on for what it was, a miracle of God done by Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And as we stated, the emphasis of John 11 is on faith. It is a faith-building chapter. It is a faith-strengthening chapter. The whole chapter is built around the faith of the disciples, the faith of Martha and Mary, and the faith of those Jews that have come out to mourn with Martha and Mary about the death of their brother. Jesus knows that their faith needs to be strengthened. He's been surrounded by unbelief. He's been surrounded by weak faith. No one, the disciples, the sisters, those around him, thought that Jesus could or even would raise Lazarus. They didn't believe it. It couldn't be done. I mean, after all, he'd been dead four days. And what Jesus did this day and the days leading up to this event, he did to strengthen the faith of those who were in his hearing range. He wanted to strengthen faith. And that's my plan for you today, is to strengthen your faith. Because like these people, like these people in Jesus' time, the disciples and, and Mary and Martha and others, Things for them only got harder as Jesus went to the cross, as Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And when he ascended into heaven, things got harder. And my friends, my brothers and sisters, the ones who I dearly love, each and every one of you, I've got some news for you. And it may not be the news you want to hear. Things are going to get harder. As the last days approaches, as the days before the rapture come, Things are going to get harder, and we need to have faith. Not some trumped-up faith, not some faith that we think we know, but a lasting faith that is enduring, a faith that holds on to things when everything else collapses around us. You don't have to be a rocket science to look at the political situation. You don't have to be a rocket science to look at all sorts of things. I just saw on a post on Twitter, the most horrible, horrible advertising for Planned Parenthood I've ever seen in my life. I showed it to some of my brothers. 
It's a picture of this beautiful, gorgeous baby girl. Bow in her hair, and she's sitting there cooing and cooing, and all of a sudden it goes blank, and this thing says, she deserves to have a choice. Excuse me? I thought she deserved to have life. That's disgusting. Disgusting. Things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse, folks, so our strength needs to be strong. It needs to be strong. And since the day that Jesus received the word that Lazarus was sick, he knew what he was going to do. He knew he would go, come to the tomb, and raise Lazarus. He knew what he was going to do. But before he accomplished that, he had to first test the faith of the disciples. He had to test the faith of the sisters. He had to strengthen their faith because, as I said, days were coming when they needed to be strong in their faith. And during that time, in the days that were going to follow Jesus' death, he knew they would be frightened. He knew that they would scatter. He knew many of them would deny him. But he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to encourage them to stand strong, to have faith. He wanted to point to himself so that they and you and me would believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. We have to have that settled in our heart. Do not believe it because you heard it here. Believe it when the Lord makes it true in your heart. Believe it when the Lord makes it true to you. Why does God test our faith? Why did Jesus feel it necessary to test their faith? I mean, we all say we believe the promises of God. We all say we trust in God. We all say we know God can do all things. But sometimes, I don't know about you all, because you all are much more faithful than I, sometimes our faith kind of wavers. Our faith kind of gets shaky. We make these great proclamations regarding our faith, and in reality, most of the time, let's face it, our faith is pretty weak. Our faith is pretty weak, and we don't realize it. So God puts us to a test. Why? Because God wants to reveal in you, he wants to reveal in me, just how weak my faith is. He already knows how weak it is, but we need to know it. We need to know it. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. But then, through Jeremiah, God comes back and says, I, the Lord, search your heart. I search your heart. So God puts me to a test, and he puts me to a test to show me the truth about myself. And it's important that I know the truth about myself, because I can gloss it over. I can gloss it over. If you want to know how great I am, ask me. See, I can gloss it over. I, I need to know the truth about myself. It needs to be revealed. It needs to be revealed. So God puts me to the test because I think I'm stronger than I really am. I think I can get along. I can handle this one, Lord. Okay. So the Lord is testing and building faith here, not only among those closest to him, like the disciples and the sisters, but he knows there's a great big group around these people mourning the death of Lazarus. And he's going to show them something that their eyes have never seen before. And we're going to see the results of that next week. So as we've studied, Jesus has showed human characteristics, hasn't he? He, he wept with the sisters at the loss of their brother. He showed emotion at the tomb. He even showed anger and indignation. 
But even though he showed these human characteristics, make no mistake about it, Jesus, the Son of God, was in complete control the entire time. He was in complete control the entire time. He tells Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. And whoever believes in me shall never die. That's what he told Martha. He knew what he was going to do. And then he challenges Martha. Do you believe this? And Martha stands up. But you got to hand it to the working Martha. She stands up and she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I believe. I wonder if Jesus thought in the back of his mind, we'll see how much you believe in a couple minutes. We'll see how much you believe in a couple minutes, Martha. Take it easy. Her profession of faith was strong. But she's going to be challenged again when they reach the tomb. So Jesus dealt with the disciples' faith on the way when we studied earlier in chapter 11. He dealt with the disciples' faith. Remember the delay, waiting two days before he left? It's for your glory. I'm glad that I wasn't there. All these things that Jesus said. He showed compassion to Mary, cried with her, showed great compassion. And now he would once again test their faith of all as they approached the tomb of Lazarus. Let's look at 37 as we finished last week. And some of them, these are the Jews that are surrounding the group, the professional mourners. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? A good question. What did Mary and Martha ask or say? Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So they basically said the same thing. But then look at 38. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. Jesus groaning in himself comes to the tomb. And again, just like in verse 33, we have this Greek word, embrimomenos, embrimomenos. It actually means to be deeply moved, but if you go a little deeper, it actually means to snort with anger. It means to snort with anger. Now, some of you are giggling like, what? Snort with anger? Now, wait a minute, folks. I thought about this long and hard. I really thought about this long and hard. Have you ever been so disgusted that you went, oh, my, oh my gosh? Yeah, sure. If you admit it, you did. If you admit it, you did. You snorted with indignation because you were so, so in anger or something like that. You did. Thank you for being honest. It exasperates you, and you just feel like, ah, you're just, that's what Jesus is doing. He's exasperated. What exasperated him? The sin, the death that Satan has played on these people, and the fear of death that Satan has thrown out there. And all of them were so crying and so upset. They had this fear, in it, and, and fear makes your faith what? Weak. Fear is almost the opposite of faith. Why do you think every time Jesus appeared, what does he say after the resurrection? Fear not. Fear not, have faith, it's me. One commentator said this, quote, if Jesus Christ could do nothing about death, then whatever else he can do amounts to nothing. Think about that. Think about that. Death, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, is our last enemy. It's our last enemy. But Jesus knew that very, very shortly he would break the bonds of death. He would break the chains of death, and he would beat the dominating power of death. And through him, we would have life eternal. He knew that was coming. 
So they came to a cave. In, in the second part of 38 says, it was a cave and the stone lay away against it. Now, it's really, really cool. I have this picture. We're riding on the bus in Israel. We're touring Israel, and we're riding on one of these roads. And our guide says, now, if you look up here along the side of the road, there's all these tombs, caves, and there are stones right beside that. And sure enough, I took a couple pictures, and there they are. There's this cave right along the side of the road, and there's this great big thing that looks like a wheel, big thick stone that you could roll in front of the tomb. And there they were. Now, he didn't say this was Lazarus' tomb, but they're all over the place, all these tombs in the wall. So they came to this tomb where Lazarus was, and there was a big stone in front of it. So they came there. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, Take away the stone. It was a simple command. Remove the stone. Take away the stone. Look at Martha's response. Look at great faith professing Martha's response. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he's been dead for four days. In other words, he stinks. He stinks, Lord. Don't roll away the stone. He stinks. What great faith, Martha. Thanks for being one of us. Great faith one moment, no faith the next moment. I don't know about you. Like I said, you're much more faithful than I, but I can be like that from time to time. Have faith in one moment and turn around and my faith just falls out of the bottom. Where'd it go? I have no idea where it went. But Jesus says, roll away the stone. It's interesting that Jesus had said to her in verse 22, she said, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. That was great faith. But yet she wouldn't roll away the stone. She was, she was worried about it. Martha declared her faith in Jesus, but she slipped for a minute when he said, take away the stone. It stinks, Lord. This is us. This is us. Our faith, I'll speak for myself, is wishy-washy. We believe one minute, and the next minute we're questioning the Lord. We believe in all his promises. Whatever you ask of God, he'll give it to you. Remove the stone. Are you crazy? If we would just take the Lord at his word, we read throughout the scriptures that not one word of the Lord of his promises had not come to pass. Another thing, everything the Lord said would happen, happened. You can read that all through scriptures, old and new. He urged her to believe. He had to remind her of the promise which he had made earlier. He urged her to believe. He urged her. Come on. He said to her in verse 40, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So he's reminding her of this promise. He urged her. True faith relies on the God's promises. And when we exercise that true faith, God's power is released. When you exercise true faith, God's power is released. That's why they say, say the prayer of faith. What does it mean? I'm exercising true faith. I'm believing that not only the Lord can, but I'm believing the Lord will. I'm exercising true faith. I'm stepping out. I want this to happen. Jesus had to remind her. Believing God can do one thing is one thing. But believing that he will is a whole different ballgame, folks. Jesus was fully capable of doing this miracle without the help of Martha. 
He really didn't even want this help to roll away the stone. But he wanted to include her. God wants to include you in the scheme of things. Why? So that you can see the glory of God. He was going to do what he was going to do regardless if Martha helped or not. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But Martha would be a part if she obeyed the Lord and rolled the stone away. She would be a part of it. She would be a part of what's happening. And then the glory of God would really mean something to her. The results would be the same, yes. But there's something about when you're involved and you see the glory of God, you go, wow. And your faith does what? Skyrockets. And that's what he's trying to do here. Oh, how we want to see the glory of God in our lives. How we want to see the glory of God in this church. And we've seen it here. We've seen healings. We've seen people get miraculously healed. We've seen things happen. We've seen wonderful things here. We want to see the glory of God. But notice Jesus tells Martha to roll away the stone. He wants to do something marvelous in Martha's life, but he needs her to act. Roll away the stone. I believe God wants to do something marvelous in all of our lives, but he needs us to do something, folks. He needs us to roll away the stone. He needs us to roll away the stone. Get rolled away the stone. Why? Expose the problem. Roll away the stone and expose the problem. But Lord, the problem stinks. Yeah, I know. Roll away the stone. Let me have access to the problem. The problem was Lazarus had been dead for four days. Four days. He'd lied in that tomb. And yeah, there probably was a stench. But the Lord knew what he, what he was going to do, so he rolled away the stone. Our dead and our sins and our decay must have stunk royally. He's saying, roll away the stone of your heart. Let me in. Let me into the stone of your heart so I can do something glorious, and you'll see the glory of God in your life. Roll away that stone. Let me have that problem. Not that problem, that problem, the one that really stinks. I want it. Roll away the stone. Roll that bad boy away and let me add it. But Lord, that's the one I'm ashamed of, I know. That's why I want it. Because there's no need for you to be ashamed. There's no need for you to have guilt. There's no need for you to have unneeded pain. I died on the cross for that. Roll away that stone. Give me access to your life. Tells Martha, I gave you a promise. Did I not tell you you would see the glory of God? Now roll away the stone. God's telling you today, if you're dealing with something that you're howling on to, that you're really, really harboring in your heart, something that you just can't let go of, God is telling you, I want to do something miraculous in your life, but I need you to roll away the stone. I need you to let me have access so that I can show you God's glory and you can participate in this whole thing. Roll away the stone. Jesus corrects her thinking and centers her thoughts on him. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I love how he always centers our thoughts on him. You are our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.